0: Hello and welcome to the D&D 420 Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping you become a better Dungeon Master. I am your host, Eric M. Hunter, and I am a struggling Game Master trying to figure out how to tell a better story. Joining me shortly is Jimmy Shields. He is the creator of D&D 420 and an avid D&D fan for over 30 years' experience. This episode's got a couple of different things going on. One, we are actually live. Jimmy and I are sitting together at the table. Uh, we recorded this right before actually a D&D session um, with a group of friends of ours and the current campaign that we're playing. Uh, I am also getting over a bit of a cold, so I apologize for that. But the information in this episode, in my opinion, has been the most crucial part uh, so far along this journey of creating this campaign. And that is how important that first session is to your players. How important session zero is going to be, uh, getting everybody together, making them feel comfortable. And ultimately, how important it is to know who the characters are who are playing in the game and how you structure that first session around that. So session one, I, well, I think it's session one. Like I feel like, I think I, I think I mentioned this um Again, we talk so much about this stuff. Like, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast the last episode <laughs> or or we just talked about just bullshitting over the phone. You may want to hit this. Oh, is it one of those? <laughs> um, so, because we're, I always feel like, as you said, you want, you want to have more for your first session than what you're going to play, which is, duh. Yeah. Um, I probably shouldn't say duh. To me, that's kind of like, well, yeah, of course, because you don't want to be like, oh, shit, we're two hours in. we got two hours left. Well, that, we being said,
1: that being said, there are so many DMs out there that when they're giving advice, and I see this because I'm part of all kinds of forums. Right. They say, I don't prepare anything that we're not going to do the next session because your players will do something different every time. Well, that's kind of what we're here to talk about. That's not today, but in the future, we'll talk about what happens when. Okay. So, but yes, I like to have extra shit i like to have plenty of shit ready
0: which kind of harkens back to um the episode when we were just talking about characters by like just having a bunch of characters with a bunch of different characteristics and personalities that you can pull from because as you said you never know when you might run into you might need a character who needs to be a guard or you run into a character that needs to give just a little bit added information because maybe they miss the players miss something down the road a bit so you can exactly. bring that back up exactly um So when you say it like that, that to me seems like there's two different ways of looking, of structuring a session. Whereas in the way that you do it is like, we have this loose structure that I want things to happen. And I have this other idea or this other information, these other characters and stuff just in case. That way, if we miss something or if something goes aloft, then we can just pull up, we can rein it back in with... Character A or character B or event A. Right. And then the other side of it seems like it's more, again, this is just, I don't know any other way to explain it, but it feels more like a video game where it's like, a you railroad. are on a very set path. You have to do this. You have to talk to this guy. Yeah. Like you can't go back because the door's locked. Well, why is the door locked? I oh, do Just the door's locked. You know? Yeah,
1: DMs call that railroading players. Okay. Players hate, hate it. Well, right. some people don't notice because they've never played D and D before. And, you know, maybe you listening have never played D and D before and don't know what that means, but it's exactly like Eric just said, we have, you walk into a room and this happens and then you're in a fight. There's no decisions to make. You're being pushed through a group of encounters and that's cool for a board game, but this is dungeons and dragons. This is D and D. This is role playing. This isn't R O L L playing. It's R O L E. Oh, that's a t-shirt idea. That's a (laughs) t-shirt. Um, So we got to try to avoid that. You want to give plenty of options. You want to give options that aren't there. And that's something that I want to talk about with your first session here because I've looked over your your, uh, schematic, your outline. Sure. And there's a lot of great stuff here. Now, I have no way of knowing, and I'm sure you don't want to tell me everything. Right. But um, I have no way of knowing how much of this you have more in your head for. Or you have maybe little things attached to, like, you're outside the former base, need to find a way in, way one, and way two. If you, I mean, I'm sure you've got ideas there. Right. Um, but I kind of want to go back to what we were talking about for the NPCs a little bit as we talk about these things. We also talked about it a little bit with um, the areas, the generalized areas. Because, I mean, I can look at this and say, dude, that is two sessions right there. That could be two sessions for me. Uh, well, maybe not. It's easily a session though, because okay. we've got, so that was going to
0: be my next question was, because to me, the way I looked at this was, so we're touched, we're touching down on a planet. So I was doing an outside in, so it's like, okay, it's, um, it, there's a literary term for it and I can't remember what it is, but it's like, let's start. Uh, at the macro and go down to the micro. So that's kind of... Microscoping in. Yes. So the way I did it was like, okay, we're we're touching down. We're outside. Now we're inside. Now we're inside even deeper into where we're at, this base.
1: Um, Yeah, I can see that. Yeah.
0: So, Mm -hmm. and I got to the point where I was like, man, again, how much is too much? So like, I want them to search for things. Do I go into like great detail of like, okay, here's what this is and here's like, oh, you found a gun, or you found uh, components, or you found wiring, or things like that? Like, do I do that stuff now?
1: There's a few schools of thought on that, man, because you can do random stuff, which, if the players are rolling, and I'm rolling, we're all rolling dice, and we're all having fun. And, you know, sometimes I do like to do that. Like, oh, I'd mainly do, oh, I didn't know you were going to search there. There would definitely be stuff in there. You're right. I just... I didn't put that together in my head so now we're going to do a random maybe I'll do a random table or I'll just kind of find what I think would be there you know obviously um, and again, again there's there's multiple schools of thought because some people do that for everything right? you know I don't this isn't littered with a bunch of stuff that you could find or things that mean anything at all uh, it depends if it's important to the plot or not if it's to me if it's important to the plot Then it needs to be there. If uh, there's a weapon you want them to find because it'll be useful against a certain bad guy, Um, or if there's you know your group is down on health, maybe this base has an old medic unit. Oh, okay. You know, if we just got into a fight, we find this old medic unit and we find a couple of med packs that actually still work, or or for D and D healing potions, or
0: or if you're just down on money. These could be – you could just find random jewels or go whatever and be whatever. like, oh, you could sell this at a shop and get X amount
1: of gold. Exactly. You. you know, it's yeah. a way to um, kind of control what the what the players have without them having to rest. And for those of you who play 5th edition, I know resting is a lot less important. But um, in, in D20, Star Wars, and then some of the other versions of d d resting may, means a great deal. So is this a place you can rest? Um For how long is this going to be? You know, those are, those are important things to think about when you have a session, when you have something like this, where it looks like there's going to be areas here that before we ever get to an encounter. So it's going to be more about stuff than resting. But after the encounter and for session two, because you're going to be writing that one next, right? Right. The next area. Oh,
0: I've already started writing it. I hope so. I had a fucking epiphany uh, yesterday when I was driving for work. I was just like, oh, this shit could happen. I was like, pulled off.
1: I was like, I gotta get
0: all this down before I forget. Like it that's was, the best way to write. Yeah, it was
1: one of those for sure. And I mean, I, you're probably like me. I use the, my uh, my notepad on my phone. Yep, use the use the hell out of it. Oh, he's got it open now. Cool. Taking notes, taking notes, baby, taking notes. So I mean, th- the, there's but there's something key missing here that I looked at when you wrote your session one, and it's something that we had kind of glossed over in the first. Um, in the first episode and that is who are my players
0: right so that was gonna be my next this is kind of hard to do especially when it comes down to details um when i don't know who the players are so like for instance like i had an interesting idea about being able to crack into a computer it's like oh that'll be fun it'll just be one of those simple password protected like you got to hack into it which sounds great sounds fun
1: Unless there's no computer guy. Unless
0: there's no hacker. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so do I keep that there? And then when I figure out who those players are, adjust, adjust accordingly. Or do I just come up with ideas like different ideas now and hope that one of them sticks?
1: Well, you can put all those ideas in a blender and that's okay for now. If you don't know who your players are and what characters they'll be playing. But ideally this won't even be written until you know who the characters are right so uh and i do agree with a lot of dms and saying i don't even write for the next week until we've played right so i'm writing most of my stuff the night before because i want it to be fresh in my mind uh i mean i have an outline of a gen- like i have what you have here this is this, this is, is a the way general outline it's general uh this is the stuff i memorize the stuff you've got here i have a a story in my head, and I know exactly how it's going to play out ideally. Right. Now, playing on the fly is a big deal because players never do, characters never choose what you want them to. Right. They never do. They have different ideas, or they wouldn't be sitting at your table because they're probably very creative. They're probably just as creative as you are, and... You gotta respect that as a storyteller and a dungeon master or a game master of any type. Because some of my best ideas came from. Oh, I bet like here's here's a perfect example. One time we were playing in a game years ago, probably fifteen years ago, and the entire town was kind of under a haze, but no one really knew it. But when the when the players come into town, they're like, why is everybody like, so lackadaisical. Why is everybody so blasé? Right. And and it started with little things, just noticing that not many people in the streets were making eye contact. Two, when you talk to the barkeep, they give one-word answers. And if you go searching for information, they kind of, uh, you offer them money. Like, oh, yeah. So they, they started finding out that there's more and more. It's deeper and deeper than they suspected and that there's something going on. And... They confirmed it with detecting magic and going around and finding out. All oh, like everyone seems to be under the same type of spell everywhere we look. And I had an idea for what I wanted it to be, but one of the characters, one of the players, said we got to check the food source. Oh, okay. And you, if you think about it, if you if you are looking at a, a large town that's mostly let's say, kind of peasants and things like yeah. this one was, the, the food would be the easiest way to administer such a thing to watch it go by. And there was a thing in the town called the Daily Bread. Where, yeah, I was going to say,
0: especially in some sort of like uh, socialistic society where...
1: Well, it's, you know, there's a king and he's providing for the people that live on his property. You know, there's this thing called the Daily Bread in this, this small town where, you know, peasants live on this king's land and they work for him, so he feeds them. And he keeps them safe. That's and
0: this was already you already had this. I already had okay, this. okay.
1: There's daily bread, and they come. People come, and they get uh, a cup of broth for their for, per person, and a loaf of bread for your family, and it's provided every single day. You know, that's it's not a lot, but that's what was provided for free to them. Mm-hmm. So that that could be used to make make food. Well, it ended up being in the bread because the player's idea was better than mine. My idea was that there's like this amplifier for a spell and. It was a little far fetched. I didn't know how I was going to do it, and right. somebody's idea was just much cooler than mine. It was a long time ago, and it'll never happen again. <laughs> it, and it's no, I was just about to say it's happened a dozen times since, because sure. you know if I've done sessions every week, every few weeks, a player idea is better than mine, right? And. I don't mind saying so, and I will give credit where credit's due. However, I don't give credit until well after the fact because I don't want them to, I don't want to pull the screen back like we're doing here. Right? Here. What's behind the curtain? Oh. Uh, you know, I'll tell yeah. people well after the fact, like, oh, you know, like those ideas were yours. I didn't come up with that. You're A character with a 20 intelligence comes up with an idea, and it might as well be the right one right. a lot of times.
0: And I can say that, of the times that we've played together and then speaking to you months after the game was over, those were some of the most memorable moments of the game where it was, I won't say it was an outlandish idea, but it was definitely not a conventional idea. And the fact that it, the dice just rolled correctly. Well, perfect example was, uh, when we were playing through, um, Oh, I forget names of things. Um, the, the, a pirate's life.
1: Oh, pirates. life, yeah,
0: when, um, just prune this giant barbarian, with,
1: half-ogre barbarian, with yeah.
0: this gnarly club, um, like, just leaping through the air to attack these enemies, turns in front, of, like, before we could even get there, yeah. even with double moves, like, stuff like that, like... He
1: did it time and time again, and it all started at that river scene, where yep. he had to jump on the 20 boat. feet yep. out to the small boat, and he crushed into that boat. Uh, capsizing the small John boat. And and from there, he he was cranking his jump score every level. Because all
0: it took was that one time to... And I'm sure you weren't ready for something like that. You were probably... Wanting the boat to come
1: to shore, or for us to attack at a distance. Yeah, and... I never plan battles out. Well, <laughs> I, but I, you know what I mean, though. I like, put up barriers. And I say, mean, oh, I got a number of ways I could solve it. <laughs> right,
0: but I remember, like then when we went to like the neighboring towns and taverns and stuff, like people knew who Kroon was now because he of this magnificent feat that he did. Like,
1: yeah, and he did it time and time again. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's just that's just a neat idea that he came up with as a as a player. So I set it up after that. I just like here's right. your alley oop. I'm feeding you. Yep. Pass right to you. Are Give you gonna really do cool it thing again? Yep. And I mean, he did it over and over in more and more spectacular manner as I set it up. And if he heard that something was far away, put on a lower a lower elevation than he was, he was about it. He didn't care how far it was. Yeah. So that was that was cool too. You know, so there's just a couple of ways that you can kind of let the players determine the direction of the game. One, with cool ideas to solve a problem. Two, with cool ideas in combat. And it kind of goes to the rule of cool in a way. I don't necessarily prescribe to the rule of cool. But if the dice and the statistics support it, then yes, I do. If it if they don't support it, then I have a hard time if it's a it's a far stretch. But do listen to your players. Do listen to the ideas they come up with, and and do and do kind of um, give them the alley oops. Give them the nod when they when they come up with something really cool. Give them the the credit for it later on. Mm-hmm. You'll find that the, they'll do more and more of that stuff. But um, to, to get back on topic, because this is D and D four twenty, and we will go off on tangents. <laughs> <laughs> so. Back to your session one notes. The thing that I would do is make sure you have your players. So we're gonna we're gonna figure out who your players are by next week. You oh, know, you okay. want to start putting it out there, um, advertise for your game. We we're lucky enough to have our D and D four twenty guild of like nineteen or twenty people yep. that you can provide an invite to. Um, and I guarantee you get however many spots you want to. F- is this gonna be four or five? Uh,
0: let's see. it'd be four. Probably just four. four. Four plus me.
1: Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's what D&D was written for. And most other games, especially a D20 system, follow that pattern for his best. Yeah. I know a lot of people argue, well, I run eight or ten. That's fine if that's how your group wants to roll. that. But, I mean, it's meant for four people. You know, the challenge ratings are set up for four people. And I don't hate running four people. It's actually my second favorite right after five. I like having a fifth player because I like having more voices at the table. And and I think it does take some skill the more players you have. Right. It takes more skill to not only write for, um, plan the encounters, but to also um, balance equations. Because, I mean, if you have a spot check of 20 and six people are rolling it, chances are more people are going to get high rolls if you just have six people trying to spot. Right. So those are things to consider as well for more players. Not that, that we're really even talking about that right now. But once we find out who our players are, we're going to find out what they want to play. And you always got the asshole like me who's going to be like, well, I'm just going to wait till everybody else picks and I'll fill in the gap. Well, right.
0: That's what I do.
1: That's what, that's what everybody wants to do. <laughs> or just we, tell me who to play. You know, you got, you got three guys who are going – I don't know, I'll wait and see what's picked first because I don't want to step on any toes and there's the one guy going, I want to be a druid. Right. Ah, and He's got his high hand in the air screaming, I want to be a druid. It's like, great buddy, you got it. You're the druid. But nobody wants to be the cleric. (laughs) I always want to be the cleric. In D&D, the power power level, I don't know about 5th edition as much, but I I got a general idea that it is a little bit more, uh, a little bit more even even keeled. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is cool, but the power level in 3rd Edition and Pathfinder is Wizard is number one. Right. And you can argue Druid or Cleric is number two or three. We can give them honorable mention to the Wizard as they're all the most powerful because they're the most powerful casters. Right. And people will say Sorcerer, but you fall behind a level on Sorcerer with casting. I know you get more spells per day, but in a game that's full of intrigue, More different spells at your arsenal become more important to me. Plus, you're casting Fireball at fifth level. Plus, you're casting Ice Storm at you know a seventh level instead of eighth. You know, and you know those are just. Then don't tell me Warlock. That's one of the worst classes in the game as far as power levels. (laughs) Warlock or Monk. That's just a uh, a different Rogue, really. But um, it's Rogue Light. (laughs) It's Rogue Light. Or Rogue-heavy. Yeah. Rogue with no skills. You get your D6s all the time, but you got no skills. Either way, I digress. So we'll figure out what our players are going to be playing. We'll figure out who they're going to be. Get some backstories in. And start attaching, because the thing that will make all of this stuff you got here easy for you is attaching things that relate to people. That's what you're missing. You're you're just missing relatable, because we're like Touchdown on the Planet we find out that there's enemy weapons. It's littered with other um, other weapons and blaster fire marks in the snow. There was definitely a battle here. We're outside of this base. We're going to try to find a way in. And once we're inside, there's dead bodies of good guys and bad guys. We see terminals all shot up. Um, some things look like they might still be operational. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's different paths we can take in there. And then a big old encounter. So... And if you make this stuff interesting enough to the players via their character, then touching down on the planet could take a half hour. Right. Or if there's nothing interesting there. Or it could be five minutes. It could be as long as it takes you to describe it, 30 seconds, and then we're like, we got to find a way in. Right. So So you want to stall there if you can. Not necessarily stall, but give things for each of these big bullet points you got here, like touchdown on the planet. Go into the base. Once we're inside, many different paths and an encounter. So you got five encounters here, five potential encounters. Right. I mean, touching down on the planet could be an encounter. How can it be an encounter? You got to rack your brain and figure that out. Other than, here's what you see: there was a great battle here. There are blaster fire marks in the snow. You see places where. Uh, grenades have blown large patches of snow away, and we use the the different techniques we talked about in describing an area. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to fill that like. So we search around. Do we see any weapons? You know, we're gonna search around, right. ideally, or you're gonna give us, throw us kind of an alley oop, like we talked about earlier, and we might find something that's very interesting to somebody to give us something to talk about.
0: Okay, I see what you mean then, because like. But knowing your characters, you obviously have a backstory, you have their characters' history, so you can touch on something like that mm-hmm. that would – okay.
1: That it, makes sense. It just pause pause for roleplay. If it's five minutes, great. If it's a half hour, it could be a little tedious. But there's sure. also another thing that I noticed before this is we need to know how – why we're touching down on this planet for scrap detail. And that comes again to the backstories, right? like what brought us to this point. You know, that's all, that's all kind of session zero stuff that, you know, it might not be even in this session, but it's important to know how we got here and why we're here and how we know each other. Right. Cause those type of things, once you know that, if you know that there, are, you've got one guy who's a scoundrel and he's a, he's probably an opportunist, he's a rogue sort of guy, and he's ready to steal anything and hide from the party, then you put this valuable thing there and some of the other people are like, used to be law enforcement, whatever. Right. You know you've got that to play with. It's attention. It's attention. <clears throat> just knowing the differences in your party and you know what kind of things that scoundrel might steal. If you, if you have a general idea because of his backstory, you can put things in there that are just going to instant spark role play. Right. Instant. And you can do it at every single level. I don't know if I would do it at all five, put big things like that. Sure. But two or three of them. And that'll lengthen your session. And there'll be a lot of stuff in there where you can sit back and just do what you're doing now. Like, watch me talk. And then watch some other guy talk. So
0: it's it's almost like there's not... whole lot you can do before knowing who your players are
1: there's not a whole lot you can do it's it's to me the most important thing a lot of people will argue that and that's okay um and i can tell you those arguments that i've heard in the past some of them are this is this is a game if you want to do write all that crap write a book but i mean i know that yeah i'm sitting here talking with one of my players now i mean that's why you asked me to do this um because I know that you play in my game and I know what you guys like because we've talked about it right time and time again. And I can say, I write, I do write a book style game. It is like reading a book as you go back and retell it. It sounds like if, if somebody will walk up to the water cooler and you and I are standing there talking about the D and D game, they're going to say, what book are you talking about? Cause right. it sounds like we're ta- telling the story of a book. We're sharing the story of a book. Um, and I love that. I personally think it's the most fun because I can really weave things in. And I want my characters to diverge and go different things than what I came up with. Like I said, sometimes their ideas are just as cool, if not cooler. So we're going to do that. We're going to find out who our players are. We're going to find out what kind of things make them tick, what kind of things that they want from their short backstories. Right. And I recommend that we ask our players to write you know, some of them are gonna write backstories and write. They're gonna be pages long. Oh yeah. And some of them are gonna go two hundred words. What do you, What do you mean? Yeah. And and you can say it as simple as this: three to five sentences that define your character. That's enough. That's plenty And there. Hopefully, they'll use words that can define their personality, what they do on a daily basis, what they've done in the past, right. those type of things. Um, maybe how they hel- help help get them to get you to help them to get to where they are now. I don't know if that how they really So, sense. yeah,
0: because, uh, again, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or not, but um, the, the game that we're playing now,
1: Volcom... Um, Volcom R?
0: Yeah, I was going to say Maneer. I was like, that's not right.
1: That sounds like Nate. <clears throat>
0: yeah, right. <laughs> um, the, the first session was basically us just sitting at a tavern and then just bullshitting with the crowd and, you know, the other NPCs and just kind of joking, you know, knocking back beers and stuff like that, that stuff to me, um, really sets the tone for the group Mm -hmm. because like we all got backstories and like, and I, I think I've even read some of the other backstories of uh, the players that were, that we play in this game with, but knowing what those backstories are, don't exactly hearken on who they're, how they're playing this character. So I I realized that how important, like, that first session kind of powwow is, because you put them in a very neutral environment. uh, You give them, you know, not a whole lot to deal with and just have them interact. And as a player, it means a lot to me because it's like, oh, I understand now that, you know, he's... You know, player A is going to probably drink more than he should and it's gonna be a ruffian and we have to keep track of him. That says that's to me speaks volumes than what I read in a backstory. Do you know yeah, what I mean?
1: Absolutely. Uh the backstory is more for the DM. Session zero and if or, you know, there's a funny thing um in one of the DM chats or whatever it is that I'm part of. There was even a post made about like how many of you guys started your first session in a tavern. I bet 75% or 78% or something like Wizards of the Coast released a stat saying that 78% of all adventures start in a tavern and 82% of all stats are made up on the spot. So, (laughs) uh, well, uh, I mean, if you think back a lot of sessions starting at Tavern and here's why. I'm not, I don't think it's 70 anywhere near that for us. Right. Because we've had so many unique things but the reason a Tavern is a go-to for players, it's a source of information. You can find people there who are hiring. I mean, you can, you can role play. Right. You can, uh, you can
0: get a meal, you can sleep.
1: You can get information, you can get all kinds of stuff. I think I already said that but um but it's a great place to go because it's the first thing that everybody thinks of and there's not a problem with that don't right. don't just because it happens a lot don't be afraid to do it that way although i like how yours starts too um session 1 and uh it's just easy though to have a neutral like you called it a neutral place where the players can interact
0: yeah. well and i feel like a lot of that and again maybe this is just me still being new to a lot of this stuff and looking like you mentioned before, looking behind the curtain, like you can say in a game, like, okay, you guys have known each other for years. You've worked together for years, blah, 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 blah. But if you just automatically throw somebody into an encounter, like in that first session, for, for whatever reason, like you kind of feel like you don't know who to trust because you're automatically, being put to work, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't have that time to interact, and that's such a silly thing to say, but like that's that meta game part that I think a lot of people don't realize plays a much bigger role than they want to. But it, you know, you can't just say, "Oh, well, you trust this guy because you've known him for years." It's like, okay, I mean, I do because you are telling me that, but then again, he may have an ulterior motive that I am not aware of. That I might be able to pick up if we're just bumming around.
1: Bumming around, yeah, exactly. And something else that I did to replace the starting in a tavern um, for the other R game that we play online, in which you guys can find that on our website. You know, dnd420 dot com. We also have links to YouTube there. It's dnd420 is our channel, um, and they do a thing where they recap all of those sessions and do another thing called after dust because the game's called from dust and they kind of did like the, the talking dead, which I thought was kind of cool. Perfect, That's something that the players set up. Um, it's great. It's there. It's fun. It's funny. And they recount that whole story, but it started, you know, just to kind of get back to what we were saying. It started with the sessions one and two being children. They were zero level people. With no abilities, and I didn't give them any skills or anything. If they wanted to do something that was skill-related, it was a raw strength check. And, Mm. you know, if they wanted to attack, it was going to be a raw strength or a raw dex. And so them being a little bit more exceptional because I like my game to have high stats. I like people to be heroes in the game when we get to... Because everything's really hard anyway in my game. But um, so they, they played as children the longer lived races played together as children and they had things to talk about like the first time they met the first time they got in trouble sort of things then the younger races came in the humans Mm -hmm. and they came that was the next session and they got to find out some of the things that the older lived races had already been through and and they got to talk about those things there wasn't a whole lot of encounter action sure uh, and they were shorter sessions as well but my god, it was fun to do that, to play kind of um immature characters that don't know who they are yet. You don't know who you are yet playing the character. And I think it's a wonderful thing and that's something we can come back to and talk about in a future um a future episode, I hope that we can have maybe a whole episode about that. Yeah. Um and how to how to accomplish it and do it well. But um in the meantime, we know we got a little bit of homework we need to do so we're gonna get characters together and if we don't if you don't feel comfortable at this point because it could still be a few months off like getting the players together let's write some characters for this okay and it could even come down to the point where and there's nothing wrong with this either auctioning characters off yeah having five characters or six characters for a four player group and then whoever doesn't get taken you got two cool NPCs to add to your roster yep and if you don't use them now you can use them later so, let's do that. Let's get get our players together because we've we've dicked around long enough. <laughs> Find out what kind of characters we're going to be playing with and and we'll go from there. And then we're going to present um all that stuff next week and talk about that stuff. And we're going to do it with a good friend of ours, uh Nathan, who is a DM uh among the DMs and D&D 420 guild. Uh he is to me um I hate to call him the number 2 because he's so damn good. He's really good. Like I played and I can tell you that I played in two of his games that were as good as anything I've ever played in. Yeah. So, I'm excited to have him on and to have him talk about some of the things that he that we may have missed because right. I know a lot of DMs are listening right now going, "Well, this guy's no fucking help." Because I do it the same as he does, or whatever. Right. Or he didn't even talk about this or that. Well, we've only got about thirty minutes each time, right. and I touch on the important stuff. And I want to go back with Nathan and fill in some of the gaps, some of the things that we may have not touched on. I'm going to give him a little homework and say, "You got two hours worth of uh,
0: content. to Content. <laughs> to, uh, yeah,
1: you got to listen to every session now, homie. Yeah. And then show up, and we're going to talk with him about you know how, what his take on all of Perfect. this this shit is. So in the meantime, um I'm the grand tormentor here with uh and uh, Tommy always says uh, he must hate that name. I came up with the motherfucker. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's a joke, it's a joke. I don't I'm not the tormentor of my players. Uh I know a lot of people take that DM versus player, player mentality yeah. and I hate that. It is yep. not a DM versus player. We are creating a badass story together. Yep. So that's all, that's all I got for you this week. Cool. Now we're going to play some D&D ourselves. d
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the D&D 420 podcast. For everything D&D 420 related, check out dnd420.com. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us there on the website and on YouTube at D&D 420. Lastly, as always, if you'd like to support the show... You can do that by telling another DM about the show and by visiting us on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and review. Thanks for subscribing and being a part of our work here at d and 420. We will see you next week.